Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 238. Tonight, Matt and Doug get together and talk about common mix issues, feedback, and revisions. They discuss issues they encounter with recordings, mixes, and mastering, approaches to feedback, and how the overall goal is to serve the music and work together with artists, recording engineers, mix engineers, and mastering engineers as a team to get the best possible final production. Enjoy the show. Good morning. (laughs) What's up, Doug? (laughs) Happy Saturday. Yes, good morning, Saturday, to you and and whatever day or time of the week it is to our listeners. <laughs> That's right. We don't know what, when anybody's listening to this. It could be a year from now on a Thursday. We don't know <laughs> if anybody's listening to this. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> to our three listeners, uh, <laughs> we say welcome. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. You must be busy. My tea was getting cold here. Yeah. <laughs> Updates to the website. I was up and, and uh, working on my website at 6.30 this morning. Just very motivated. Yeah. I actually have in my calendar to work on stuff like that. Uh, early Saturday and early Sunday. Coffee's still a problem, though. What do you mean it's a problem? Uh, trying to drink it and not oh. choking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut that out. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, exciting webs, uh, website updates. I'm yeah. trying to get them out there. So it was, Is that uh, like maintenance stuff or like updates to? This is content updates. Content new, updates. Yeah. Oh, okay. yep. New music's out that I wanted to get updated on there and right on. stuff like that. Fun. Cool. Exciting. It is. So, man, we got a beautiful day going on here. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. Perfectly sunny. I don't know what the heck. It's it's nice and cool out, which I really That's like. That's cool here. Ours will be nice later. It's it's just Yeah. We we get um we're close we're just close enough to the the coast where we get like this morning overcastness and coolness and then it burns off to hot afternoons. Yeah. It's like fifty nine here right now. I oh, love okay. this weather. It'll be yeah, up I got in my... the low seventies this afternoon. Yeah, it's starting to get cool out here in the shred. I got my sweat, my Giants sweatshirt on and my Darth Vader fuzzy slippers. <laughs> my Sweet. <tea. laughs> you know, uh, for the longest time, I'm not even sure why I'm saying this. Um, for the longest time, I wanted a poncho. Oh, yeah. and Because I just think they're cool. My entire marriage... You know, I'd be going, man, I would like to have a, a poncho. So we're talking, this is like 26 years I've been like <laughs> okay. wanting a poncho, okay? And um, <laughs> so I finally bought a poncho. I bought it in, in the middle of summer. Oh. Because <laughs> I found, you know, and I haven't been able to wear it yet. Uh, oh, this year just, you bought it? Yeah, because it's like this alpaca wool oh, okay. poncho. It's it's really nice. Uh, um, It's got kind of a, uh, I actually, I haven't seen it in a while. I think it's kind of a a native American kind of pattern on it. It's, uh-huh. And it's, it's all white with a gray pattern. Oh, cool. And uh, so like, I'm super excited for this weather because I finally get to wear my poncho. <laughs> it's poncho weather. We're going to start <laughs> calling it that. Hey, is it poncho weather where you are? <laughs> so yeah, I've just had an, 
I have been like playing the scene out of wearing my poncho in my head, you know, oh, that's and funny. or hanging out around the house with my poncho, you know, and <laughs> well, that needs to be uh, uh, on Instagram and TikTok. Yeah, Doug, Doug and his poncho. <laughs> you can do a little series. It's you know, obviously, it's a little things with me, but uh, I'm very excited about my poncho. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's a good sign when. When you get excited about the little things, because that means you don't have any big things to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like studio flooding. and. <laughs> oh, thank goodness all that's behind us. On the other hand, it could be like, oh, my studio flooded and I lost everything. But at least I have this nice warm poncho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm using my new headphones today, my, my dedicated studio headphones. Sweet. I can um, hear the difference. You can hear the difference in my headphones. <laughs> they're um they're so new that they um well they're a they're a little tight on my head, but they're they were yesterday I was wearing they were like um they were creaking <laughs> when I would move my head. So I was watching the baseball game last night and I just had the headphones in my hands and I was kinda working them <laughs> to break them in a little bit so they don't make any noise. I, I get I get driven crazy by little noises. That's cool though. So are are you happy with them so far? Oh yeah. No, I mean they're the exact same kind as the other ones, but I, I'm happy to have, you know, ones with a that I can put my quarter inch connector in and just not have to carry headphones back and forth. Um, because that was getting to be a little a little much. Yeah. Well, I know they're exactly the same, but are they exactly the same? Are they does it do, are there any differences that you're hearing? I or? can't tell. I can't tell any differences. I mean, I would imagine there would be a slight difference because the other ones i've been using for a while and i imagine that the drivers a little more um a little more broken in a little more um i don't know whatever happens to speakers when you use them for a long time but um i don't know they sound crystal clear and 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 exactly how i would expect them to sound so cool yeah well that's nice you can kind of lay right into them and and not have any big adjustment period or anything yeah yeah so we have a topic today we do have a topic we, and it was, I hope it works severely out. lack in good segues here in the last few episodes. <laughs> I know it totally. I was trying to, I was trying to find one, but I couldn't, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I rely on you for the segues, but, um, I was drawing a blank. I, I was looking for the opportunity and it just wasn't coming. So, you know, and what happens is we end up spending so much time looking for a segue that we we're like 15 minutes into the 15 show. 15 minutes before... of, of random banter about the weather and shit. <laughs> Going, never mind. Let's just jump into the topic. <laughs> well, I was thinking about mixing because I was trying to figure pick a topic for uh, for the DIY music chat, and I was going to go with mixing, and I ended up going with which he failed. Else, I thought I did, but um, and I know that you are mastering engineer, and I do most of the mixing. But you used to mix, and I thought, well, the common ground there is that I know that you get mixes sometimes that you have to send back. For revisions because it would be easier to remix or adjust in the mix than it would to you know kind of over adjust in mastering when it's supposed to be uh, a little more subtle than that so i thought a good a good common ground would be to talk about mix common like mix mistakes and how to fix them or at the very least what do you see most often when you have issues with mixes that are, should are better fixed at the mix level than at the mastering level. Like what do you, what, what's the most common kinds of issues? And I can kind of guess what some of them probably are like, they're just too crushed and don't have enough 
uh, headroom or or um, dynamic range, but what are some other types of things that you would send a mix back for and say, hey, you know what, this is better. This is better fixed at the mixing stage or maybe even the recording stage. That's a that's a good question too. I'll see sure. that. That's something that I will see and, and, and talk about. But yeah, and I have had um, feedback that I've given to clients uh, related to well musicianship is mm-hmm. one where i think something needs to be re-recorded or a new take on it and other times it might be like uh, samples or drum programming or things like that um okay where something's off like rhythmically okay or the baseline you know in this measure the the baseline is way too far ahead of you know, the downbeat or something like that. And, you know, there's absolutely nothing I can do with that. Right. That is totally up to the client, whether, because it could be an artistic expression. I don't want to make that call. And so I run that stuff back. This is what I heard. It sounded strange to me, but maybe I don't understand what you were trying to accomplish there. Or maybe Mm -hmm. this is legitimately an issue with, um, you know, musicianship or, uh, you know, just, time got off in that, or maybe it was a bad edit if you did another take and, you know, something happened here. So, and I don't really know that, but so I'll bring that kind of thing up. There's also two phases of this for me. There's when I receive the mix, there's a mix feedback review that I go through. And then there's also after I do the the actual mastering processing portion Things can come up there too, where yeah, things that weren't noticed before can suddenly stand no, out. and they do, and and it's very normal for that to happen. And those are usually like EQ related, mm-hmm. and uh, like I was really focusing on a real common one is the vocals and guitars hang together right in the same fr- bandwidth, the frequencies, yeah. frequency. And if I'm really trying to focus on bringing the the vocals up in the overall mix, it can be difficult to do that without bringing up other things in the same range with it that I may Mm -hmm. not want to have happen. In which case, when we discover that kind of thing, or it could be, I was bringing up some higher end stuff and, uh, you know, I wanted to let the, um, gets a little bit more symbol forward. Uh Um, but in doing so, I really got way too much high end crack on the snare in order to uh, achieve that. So it's usually when trying to do one thing, something happened to something else. And the, you know, the motto is do no harm. And so if this is something I really want to achieve, I go back to the mix engineer and go, okay, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's the problem that I'm facing with that. I think if you could help me out and pull, you know, whatever, either pull EQ down or pull level down on that snare or or on that guitar or whatever that may be and we work together you know send me back you know and that's a real that's like a 15 minute revision kind of thing it's real easy you know and then send me back uh, just don't change anything else and i can usually take that and just drop it right back in my session right without any other changes you know it works really good and when we go through that kind of process together we really get to refine the the final product of that, you know? And so we go through those musicianship things, the takes. I am looking for artifacts and 
I do this like at the very beginning. It's like my sure. first, um, you know, I do a listening just to get an idea of what's going on before I even begin critiquing, just to get a feel and a, what's the vibe. Yeah. And then I go through and I listen and listen and listen, and I'm listening for artifacts. And this is usually in my cans because I want to get it like isolated and, and make sure I'm not catching anything from the room or something like that, you know? Yeah. So I'm thinking in terms of something instructive that we can, that we can relay to people, like how can they pre-flight their mixes or issues? I imagine that the first thing you were talking about is a little more delicate where you want to say, you know, I, I don't quite get this. Is this an artistic thing or was this a bad Yeah, edit? You know, I, that's I a don't... tough one to I don't sometimes. really pull punches on this stuff. I just say, this is what I heard. Yeah. I don't know if this is what you intended. Listen to it. Let me know what you think. Do you hear the same thing? And right. It's not a judgment call. It's no, simply information. No. So here we've got, do you want to release it this way? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Which is their call. But yeah, so constructively, listen for how everything lays out rhythmically. Are there any problems with the drum samples uh, or the, you know, the bass lines and the timing and rhythm. Listen closely for artifacts, which what's an artifact? An artifact is going to be some kind of noise that's introduced into your audio. That could be noise from your studio, noise from the, actual, you know, from the recording. It could be noise from plugins. Right. It could be like weird things that happen if you've got like some sort of, when you're sending to a master, take the stereo imaging off, take any limiting off the master bus. Okay. We don't want that coming to for mastering because that's my domain. Let me handle your stereo image and let me handle the, the overall level. Yeah. Levels and, and things like that. So there's no need for limiting. You mentioned, you mentioned headroom as mm -hmm. kind of a passing thing. And as long as it's not clipping, I'm, I'm pretty cool. I do like to have some, if you want to give me like negative four dB, that would be awesome. Right. But all I got to do. We can turn it down. I mean, Yeah, I just turn it down if it's like too loud. As long as it's not, if I've got clipping distortion in there, that's problematic. So listen in your mixes for clipping distortion. We really don't want it. And once it comes to me, as, as if you've, you know, you bounced or rendered it out to your file, that clipping's in there. And I now it's an artifact. Now I have to try to go in and probably in like spectral editing, find, right. find that artifact, isolate it, and then try to edit it out of there. And if it's just one or two, then that's easy enough. If it's, yeah. if it's symptomatic of something else going on, then you would send it back and say, yeah. look, there's some, there's some issues here. And those issues for me are normally not inner sample clipping. So that's on sample clipping. That's right. If you're sending me a digital file, I'm not converting it, you know, to analog other than going out to my, out to my mains, but it's not like I'm converting it to an MP3 or anything like that, if you know what I mean. So that whole compression thing that, that gets involved with inter sample uh, clipping isn't really a concern. So, but do keep an eye on your true peak. That's important. Yeah. Make sure that you're not exceeding zero and true peak and then make sure that you're not exceeding zero in your rms either yeah so i was thinking of of headroom in terms of uh how it can be indicative or symptomatic of 
Like if you don't, if you're given a, a a mix that has very little headroom, it's not necessarily that oh, I can just turn this down. It might be more likely indicative that the uh, that the mix was was limited or over compressed, and and maybe that's better done at a later stage in the game. Yeah, that's why uh, coming to when you're creating your mix, your pre master in this case, there's different um, pre master means different things, but in this case. Uh, when you're preparing your mix to be mastered, and so it's your mix pre-master, then if you have limiting and stuff on there, I have lost control of dynamics if you are already limiting and crushing right. dynamics on it. And I want to have control of dynamics, so let me have that control. That's why you hire me. And it's probably one of the most important things in, in music is to, is to try to preserve dynamics as much as possible, genre-dependent. Yep. Yeah, that goes along with gain staging and stuff. So yeah, as we're talking, I'm starting to think of things that uh, are things to look out for. The whole artifact thing. Uh, when I see stuff, uh, often it's um, it's a bad edit. Like, uh, and I'll probably do a TikTok on this. But like when you're when you're doing comping, right? You're doing multiple takes and you're comping them together. Whether this is you know guitar bass, um, it's usually going to be something that is not drums because drums are very like staccato there's a transient there's a, a a dip there's a transient there's a dip but when you have something that's more legato like you have bass or guitar or or vocals where you're doing multiple takes and then splicing together the best takes um sometimes when i see and uh it, it's really apparent when you're listening closely uh doing critical listening with uh headphones as you say listening for artifacts uh when there's a bad edit like you didn't cross fade the two the two takes or the two sections together yeah. and you get basically uh, you can, if you zoom in on the waveform, you can see just like a, it's yeah. a shelf. It just drops off vertically because they're, they're two things that are attached together rather than cross faded. And then there's no blend. There's no transition at the, at the lowest level and it'll pop. It'll make a digital click or a pop. Yep, and exactly. that is what I see a lot of. And yeah, I see some that, of that too. St- yeah. To me, I look at it in spectral editing, and it's a hard vertical line. Yes. And if I see a hard vertical line in there, I know that you've spliced in a take. Yeah. And they do. Exactly. They have like a popping click. It's really annoying. (laughs) And it's very, very fast. We're only talking about maybe a, what, three or four milliseconds. Yeah, it's so quick, but. And they're very easy to miss. When you're listening at a high level, you know? Yeah. So really, that's a really good one for our listeners to get out of the high level, really focus in and in your listening and focus your mind in on specific things for each pass that you're doing, you know, and listen to everything individually. Yeah, if you're listening aloud, you may not hear it at all. Um, Oh, good point. So I know that a lot, and, and everything sounds better when it's loud anyway, right? But when you're listening loud and going, okay, yeah, this sounds great. It's rocking. Uh, this sounds ready. I, I suspect also, um, and something that I thought of when you were talking, is that it's easy to kind of miss stuff when you don't listen all the way through to something. You bounce it out. Maybe you don't bounce it real time. You bounce it offline. You give it a quick listen at the beginning and go, yeah, that sounds right. And you send it off. But you didn't listen all the way through before you sent it off, and you may miss one uh, some clip, some clicks or clipping like that from 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 poor edits, 
Or you may also miss some uh, artifacts, as you say, that may have been introduced by plugins. For instance, if you have plugins that are doing analog, um, that are they're emulating analog gear, they'll put in a lot of like low-level noise, maybe hiss, and that stuff can be cumulative. And if you're not, and if you're not listening to the quiet parts critically, you may not notice that there's hiss there, right? Like tape hiss kind of stuff that was introduced by a plugin. Um, and, and when you start bringing the level up for mastering, for instance, um, and then you start doing something like adding stuff to the air band, the high end to get that shine on it. Right. And then suddenly this tape hiss that was introduced by plugin that you may not have heard when listening at a lower level, even, uh, suddenly becomes a real problem. Yeah. Well, you know, I hear that all the time. And uh, and it sounds great in the context of when there's audio, okay. Yeah. Um, but the heads and tails, right? You have that one second lead in. You've got you know one or two second tail uh, where it's absolutely quiet. So you got to go listen to those. Yeah, that's where you'll hear it the you know, the or if you've prevalent. got if you've got any long breaks in the middle, you really want to pay attention. And and for me, I don't mind if that comes to me with those because that's my job is to is to manage the heads and tails and mm-hmm. and listen to those gaps and and everything but hey if the mix engineer or the the independent artist wants to take that on and and takes care of that detail you know which is what it is that's awesome yeah that's fair and you may not want to change it you may just want to go hey look i can hear the hiss and the heads and tails just edit that out or whatever yeah. it may not affect anything in the middle um but it's nice to be aware that it's there yeah no, it's desirable in the middle. Yeah. It's just you don't want it to be the only thing that, you know, <laughs> you know, at the end, you know, <laughs> you know, unless, you know, maybe you've got a, a vinyl emulator. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe you're emulating the vinyl and you want it to sound like yeah. you're listening to a record. Yep. And so in that case, you know, that's, that's, a, that's an artistic choice, but right. the other, just the, the white noise hum or, or stuff like that, that comes from. Uh, saturation yeah is uh is probably best i normally do like a a really steep fade yeah i do that i do the same so you get a little bit as the song ends and the song is trailing off and then it goes down to nothing and yeah and that's all it usually takes yeah i do the same and then i add the silence as actual silence in the daw and not the track silence in case there's artifacts or yeah or whatever um, well, what was the other thing I was just about to say? <laughs> Crap. Come back to me. So uh, from a mix perspective though, so that's, you're kind of dealing with, well, let me rephrase this where I'm kind of dealing with the mix engineer. You're kind of dealing with the recording engineer. Yes. So how does that kind of correlate to, you know, yeah, what it's, I was it's some about? of the, some very similar stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I deal, I, I mix for a lot of independent artists who are not necessarily recording in a studio. They may be recording in a home studio. Um, and some of them are still maybe getting their that truck that down. drives by. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, you know what? I, I hear that a lot less than you'd think. Um, sometimes the drums are not super well recorded. And so I'll, I'll blend those in with, uh, with samples. I don't like to use all samples. I don't like the whole sample replacement thing, even though that's 
It's like triggers it, and samples and stuff. Yeah, in some industries, some industries that's uh, that's kind of an accepted standard. I mean, it's not industries, some some genres like like speed metal or something, you know. Um, but I like to blend it in so you get both the consistency of a sample plus the naturalness of the actual, you know, record it takes. But drums probably are the hardest thing to record, uh, maybe in general, but certainly. Uh, in anywhere other than a professional studio uh, where you have a, a drum, a dedicated drum room, you know, you've have dedicated drum mics and somebody who knows how to record them properly. When you're recording them in say, I don't know, a garage or a bedroom studio or, or something, it's, it's much harder to get a clean, full representative sound from the drums. But, you know, bass can be recorded in the box. Uh, guitar can be recorded in the box. Vocals can't really be recorded in the box, but um, I I actually rarely get any artifacts other than bad edits, vocoder, or sibilance in vocals, <laughs> vocoder, right? Um, what I do, what I do f- get are sometimes low levels. So uh, making sure that the when you're recording the you know you get a good level, good signal to noise ratio. Um, the other thing that I get is sometimes is I have is uh especially with guitars, um, like the, the fade out of a, of a guitar, you know, like the static, like the, uh, the noise of either not plugging in a guitar, but just string buzz. Or when you have a high gain guitar line, for instance, you're going to get a point where the, the note stops ringing out and then it turns to either string buzz or, or finger, random finger noise. And Especially at the like the ends of songs, sometimes I'll have to go back and say, "Hey, did you want this this part where the guitar fades out to feedback, or was you know am I chopping that off? You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Like, I guess make sure that you're when you're recording, you're you're getting good levels, and that what you're sending in is is exactly what you want. Otherwise, you're going to have either some back and forth, or you're going to have uh, you know extra time when you have questions about whether this was intended or not i'll also find spots where and again especially guitar where the the guitar they think that it had faded out completely and then chopped it off right, right. so it goes eh, click usually the same <laughs> as a bad edit instead of fading out and being silent it fades out and goes click because they chopped it instead of um fading it out and that's fine i can i can deal with that in the mix but um it it kind of indicates that it wasn't either listened to uh all the way through or um not critically enough and then you start to wonder why well, is there are there other places i need to do a small fade to avoid a click and again sometimes in the context of the of the mix and the rough mix you don't hear that you only hear it when you listen to the tracks individually or you know, I do tops and tails on each individual um, uh, section, each individual, what do you call it, uh, um, region. Okay. You know, um, but I find that a lot with guitars and bass, not so much with drums. How do you use regions? How do I use regions? Um, frequently, I don't necessarily do what I see a lot of people do. Well, okay, that's not true. With vocals and guitars, I will, I will chop the regions but i like to make sure that they all line up properly so i like to leave the beginning until i have everything edited together i don't want anything sliding around accidentally but i always do like a tiny fade 
at the beginning and end of a region so that there aren't any pops, clicks, or uh, or anything unexpected there. Because there's frequently either some room noise or some ambience or something that can introduce artifacts unexpectedly when a region ends. Um, like even even if it's just room noise or uh, something that was done in the recording, and it can make a little click, and those little things add up. And I I listen very closely for that stuff, and it drives me crazy when I hear it, so I have to chop it out. I'll also do region gain. I found that's that's a good way to do to to avoid doing automation and just to like gain up and down a section. And I found recently that's a good way to deal with uh, problematic sibilance. And oh. if if um if the if a if a like for instance if your normal tricks don't work like a like a sibilance plugin or you know side chaining or, or compression or anything like that it doesn't necessarily work for something that's over sibilant. You can um, actually go find the uh, the s or whatever and then like region gain just that syllable down uh so that it is less problematic and hits the uh hits the plugins a little less hard so it's um less prominent cool that's a that's a good trick that i just learned recently yeah that's pretty neat i don't use them much and you know sometimes i use them in you know like creating uh cd ddp masters and stuff and have regions okay. for songs and stuff oh i see what you're saying but other than that it's i often actually ask myself how could i use these and what would be an effective way for that to help me with something you know and but i just find myself it's not part of my workflow yeah, I think it's different in mastering. I mean, in regions of mastering, uh, you could color code each reason, region. You could name each region the name of the, like the full name of the song and everything. Yeah. Uh, other than that and fading and gaining, I don't I don't think that there's that much you would do with it in mastering. Yeah, I think there would be some some ways that I could use regions to then automate markers, which markers are important when creating a CD master. True. As opposed to finding the... Uh, the beginnings of each song and adding a marker to be able to automate that and add marker to beginning of each song kind of uh, right uh, action is what it's called in Reaper. And there's, you know, to be honest, there's probably one, an action that already exists for that and I haven't found it, but, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, adding 10 or 11 markers isn't that big of a deal. So it's never been a real pain point, I guess, you know, but, yeah, it's one of those things sense. where it's like it'd be really cool if I automated that and I had one keystroke and whoosh, you know it was done. <laughs> I'd love to see a video of that. I, I'd love to see a video of that process of uh, adding markers for, uh, say, an album master. Uh-huh. How that all works. Oh yeah. So That'd be yeah. interesting. Put that on your TikTok list. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I'll get that done in three minutes for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. I. I, uh, I I went real gung-ho on TikTok for a little bit there, and then I just got too busy, and I had to pause. Yeah. But I still have I still have a whole spreadsheet of ideas for, for more videos. I just haven't been able to find yeah. the time to do them. Yeah, I got more videos, kind of ideas in my backlog. and um, But I found that uh, I really needed to focus on work and put it uh, make a priority over that. And I, uh, when I first got into it, I was making the videos a priority. And, yeah. and then I was trying to do videos while doing work. You know, I did a, a video series 
working with an artist uh, friend of mine on a um, on a beat that he did that I mastered for him, mm-hmm. and I went through the mastering process on that. Well, it took me like two weeks to master. Oh, jeez, <laughs> like a, a minute and a half beat to go through and do all the video work and editing and you know, everything that's involved with it. And I was like, man, there's no way, you know? So when, it, when I, I'm getting close, I think I'm right at this point, I'm around 850 followers on TikTok or something like that. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, you hit a thousand, you can do live. And I think I'm going to do some live, no talking, you know, mastering. And if I can just like run the camera and I don't have to like talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah. And I would just focus, that. you know, and just do something like that. So I probably will. I just got to find the artist who will allow me permission to play their music uh, in a live stream. And I don't think that would be hard to do because that's like free advertising for them. Yeah. So anyway, that's out there. If anybody wants to do something like that. Uh, well, cool. Let me know when that happens. Cause I would definitely watch that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a ways to go before I get that many followers, but uh, I need some more videos. Yeah. But yeah, so it'd be, it'd be kind of fun to do it. I, I I've always kind of just wanted to, Go at it. You can see, you know, what my mastering process is like. You can see when I make mistakes. So you can see, you know, uh, how I back out of those things and and uh, try different routes. And you know, there's a lot of experimentation and and a lot of listening. So it's it may not be <laughs> really <laughs> exciting, you know, because I spend a lot of time just eyes closed and listening and mm-hmm. and because uh, it takes some real focus, you know, to yeah in a master track to separate out okay now i'm just going to listen to the kick drum you know and right. and i really focus on that all the way through and even when you can't you know sometimes it's kind of fades and gets lost in there and that's a good thing there's a feedback item for you there you know if i'm i'm losing the kick drum to the bass i would suggest that you side chain and uh the bass to allow the kick drum through would be a feedback item to get kind yeah. of back to topic but uh stuff like that yeah. And now I'm starting to wonder about, okay, so we have an artist and, you know, they've done all the work of arranging and we're like recording and arranging and somebody's done all the work of mixing. And, um, I, I'm feeling like making sure that everything has gotten a, a good critical listen before it gets sent to the next level. Yeah. That's important. where the work is. Yeah. And you got to be willing to put that in and it, it's not the funnest part. Well, right. for me, I really like it. And it just, and it depends obviously when, I was just talking to my wife about this last night, that it's really a pleasure when you get an artist, their songs in and you, and you really like them, you enjoy them. Yeah. But you have to have that same motivation when you don't like the music. Okay. Because this is someone's baby. This is someone's artistic expression. It's their thing. It's, it's their energy is poured into it. And it's not for me to, uh, squash that in any way just yes. because it's not in a genre that I really prefer or or something and it's really for me to help bring them you know the best out of it that they can and that that whole feedback thing with the mix engineer the artist that's that's what it's all about it's not judgmental it's right it's about it's about serving that music and 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 getting as best as you possibly can and to put the work into it. And if you've got the time and motivation and desire to, to work with a mix engineer or a mastering engineer to 
really go in and produce your music, which is what we're really doing, when we're given feedback like this, we're actually taking a, a producer hat right. and, you know, and, and we're working with the artist to, to refine things, you know? Yeah, that's very true. And I, that's, I, I agree that, and, and I haven't really worked with anybody who's pushed back on stuff. Well, maybe one or two, but when you, when you hand your stuff to somebody else to, to help bring it to its like fullest potential, you, I think it helps to be open to suggestion and not be so, you know, caught up in this is perfect the way it is. Don't change it, just make it better. <laughs> it's just like an oxymoron kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't change a thing, but just make it better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes we will have suggestions say, hey, this would be better if X, yeah. whatever the X is. And it's not, be and some of it is our taste, but like you said, if the music isn't necessarily to our taste, then it's completely an objective um, suggestion. Hey, this would be better for you. This would be better for your music if this happened prior to this stage, or here's a suggestion. I don't know. That's yeah. That's almost a, a rabbit hole of a whole different topic, but. but I th yeah, but I think it's important. So when you're taking that feedback into consideration as a professional, I need to remove my, any personal feelings I may have from that and approach it from objectivity and professionalism and real clear and cut and dried type of of constructive feedback you know clear communication is so important yeah oh i know what i was going to say the um here's here's the the bottom line is once you bring us in on the project we are all on the same team. Yeah, it is a and team. Look at it though. It is a team. We're working towards the same objective and just make sure that everybody knows they're 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 playing with the same goal. Yeah. You know, when you're hiring an engineer for mix or for mastering, you're hiring ears. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean that's and a, taste. And taste. And and the sound of those engineers. And we had a episode on that. Yep. There's reasons that you've reached out to whoever it is that you're reaching out to and that maybe you've heard something of their work that you thought was great. And you'd like to be able to have whatever types of things that are involved in, you know, qualities of, of what you heard introduced into your music. That might be clarity. It might be loudness. It might be vibe and how things were EQ'd and compressed. Mm -hmm. The sound of the, of the processing that was being applied different uh, types of, you know, whether it be analog or, or digital, there's, you know, there's something being used here that I really like the sound of and right. I'd like to get that on mine. And those are all um, cool things. And, and when you can then come together as a team and then, then work, that, that's so fun. It is. That's when it's fun. And, you know, I don't care how long we go back and forth. For me, we can we can keep going, man. I'm you know as long as we're having a good time and we're making progress and we're getting to something that that you are excited about and you're seeing the progress and how it's 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 becoming better and it's reaching more of what you had hoped it would you know in this process. You know that's a blast. Yeah, that is exciting because it feels like teamwork when you're yeah. doing it right. Yeah, and it could be more than there could be many people involved in in that and. But you're right. There's times there's resistance and 
to be honest with you, that's usually ego. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I, I find in music and in life that um, <laughs> so most problems can be traced back to ego. <laughs> and as I get older, I, I try harder and harder to let go of that. And the thing is, though, is that it needs to be a two-way street. Mm-hmm. You deliver your mix and, and you've given feedback to the recordist, you know, and, and, and then you've updated and, and received the changes and you've got it to where your point and you deliver it off to, for mastering. And then now you're, it's your turn to receive feedback. Right. Okay. And then I'm mastering and then I send you back a demo master to you, the mix engineer, because, mm-hmm. and now it's your turn to give me feedback. Right. Okay. And this is like this cycle. And it may be that we end up at the mastering stage going, you know, we need to reach all the way back to the recording stage here because yeah. something is developed and now we're really hearing it. We've had three sets of ears, if not more, right. of engineering in this at this point and still finding things. This is not yeah, uncommon. True. And I think that in all of that, it is important to recognize that you're all on the same team working towards the same goal. And then you can be more open to, to achieving that goal. Yeah. How, whatever it takes. There you have it. I, 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 I don't like think that. we can say more. <laughs> I think you're right. I think we, I think we, uh, I think we reached a conclusion there. <laughs> hey, good episode. I liked it. Yeah. That turned out uh, better than I, I thought it might. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, hey, everybody, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that too, because we really did. That was fun. And anyway. I hope you had fun listening and enjoy your week. So everybody, cheers. Have a great yeah, one. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate your listening. All right. Right on. <laughs> well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>